Well, thank you very much to every musician. That was wonderful. Thank you for your preparation. I love those hymns. So we've come to the season of Advent, which means coming. A month-long celebration and a kind of a fast, a waiting. A waiting for the coming of the Incarnation. If you know Latin or Spanish, you know carne means flesh or meat. It means a body. It means the substance of the physicality of humanness. Incarnation is the enfleshing or the, in, or the being clothed in flesh of Yahweh. Take a few moments to think from Genesis through Malachi of what we know of the Lord in those passages. He's a mighty God. He hovered over creation when it was dark and disorderly. And like he hovered over Mary's womb, he formed life out of non-life. He formed matter out of non-matter. He created laws of physics and mathematics and thermodynamics from his eternal mind. He made a people and he set them in charge of the world and commanded them from, to go from the garden in righteousness and become many families and take dominion over the world in peace and to rule it as little kings and queens on behalf of the king. And when that people quickly fell and quickly loved darkness rather than light, he sent grace and he clothed them with the skin of a lamb or a ram maybe from the garden. The first death prolonging their life with the promise of one day clothing them with the ultimate clothing of righteousness and the immortality that comes with that righteousness. And then as that people grew and repeatedly loved darkness rather than light and was repeatedly sent away from God's presence and God repeatedly came back near to them when they cried out to him for mercy. The story of the Old Testament is the story of a people that reject their God and quickly forget and love other things and do not remember to teach his law to their children. But his law remains an eternal law. And it's in that context of repeated conquest from the outside, which is judgment at the hand of messengers sent by God to drive his people away and to bring them low. It is in that context we come to the years and centuries of the time of the Incarnation. And we have several groups of people waiting uh, for God. We have the Pharisees who think that, according to Lightheart in his uh, book on the four Gospels, the Pharisees are a people of hope they believe that if we can just get the people pure enough by doing all the right things, which in our humanness we would understand that's 
a fool's errand and impossible, but their hope was that they could purify themselves by their own willpower and the grace within them so that God would be pleased to come and dwell in their midst again. And so they were waiting for the king to come in judgment and throw off the oppressing Romans. And then you had the Essenes who had withdrawn to the wilderness because the wilderness is the place where God's people go before he leads them into the land in conquest. Think of the people in the wilderness of Sinai. Think of the people in uh, uh, the wilderness who were sent into the wilderness of Babylon before he brought them back um, under the reign of the Persians. Think of John the Baptist who, like the Essenes, was waiting in the wilderness, sent ahead of the Lord to prepare a people to go into the land and to receive the king who was their true captain. And then you had the Sadducees who were pretty okay with how things were. And their, their compromise was that they were satisfied with their positions in their political and civil government and in their, their church authority positions they were good enough for things to stay the same. They were one of the only groups who wasn't really waiting for change. Well, if you voted for Obama, you know that he ran on a ticket of change, saying that sort of embodying that a new time of change would be coming or was represented by him, or if you voted perhaps for our current President Trump, you voted on a ticket of a man who ran as representing a bulldozer who cared nothing of what people think and promised to get things done, and neither of them got the right things done nor brought the change that the people needed. And it was in the context of everything going wrong, the whole nation of what was to be God's people being overwhelmed by the sin from within and the oppression from without, and religious and civil authorities, Pharisees and Sadducees, who did not rightly represent Yahweh, that the people living in darkness were crying out for light. And the great mystery of the enfleshment, the incarnation of Yahweh is, first of all, that that would even be possible, that God, the God of the Jewish scriptures, the God of the Bible, could come up with a way to somehow lay aside the glory that he has never been without and become most humbled it would have been the most extreme humiliation I probably could have imagined for God to come down and become the greatest uh, living king or emperor the world had ever seen. But instead, he was born to a poor couple in a small town, and it was his will that his son might come in a place where there was no room for him. Of course there was no room for him. They weren't looking for Yahweh to come among them in that way. And so the coming of God as man in living in our midst, Emmanuel, God with us, is a great paradox, both that that could happen, 
that God could find a way to make that work. And second, that as the people were expecting him to come in judgment, as the Old Testament foreshadowed, that he would come not only as one who is terrifying, and that he is, but as one whose tender mercies were for the least of and the weakest of the poorest of the people, those helpless, those like us. Listen as Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes on the coming of Jesus in our midst. He quotes Revelation 3.20, where the risen Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. When early Christianity spoke of the return of the Lord Jesus, they thought of a great day of judgment. Even though this thought may appear to be to us to be so unlike Christmas, it is original Christianity and to be taken extremely seriously. When we hear Jesus knocking, our conscience, first of all, pricks us. Are we rightly prepared? Is my heart capable of becoming God's dwelling place? Thus, Advent becomes a time of self-examination. Put the desires of your heart in order, O human beings, as the old song sings. It is very remarkable that we face the thought that God is coming so calmly. Whereas previous peoples trembled at the day of God, whereas the world fell into trembling when Jesus Christ walked over the earth, that is why we find it so strange when we see the marks of God in the world so often together with the marks of human suffering, with the marks of the cross on Golgotha. We have become so accustomed to the idea of divine love and of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. We are indifferent to the message, taking only the pleasant and agreeable out of it and forgetting the serious aspect that the God of the world draws near to the people of our little earth and lays claim to us. The coming of God is not only glad tidings, but first of all, frightening news for everyone who has a conscience. Only when we have felt the terror of the matter can we recognize the incomparable kindness. God comes into the very midst of our evil and death and judges the evil in us and the war in the world. And by judging us, God cleanses and sanctifies us, comes to us with grace and love. God makes us happy as only children can be happy. God wants to always be with us, wherever we may be, in our sin, in our suffering, 
and death. We are no longer alone. God is with us. We are no longer homeless. A bit of the eternal home has moved unto us. Therefore, we adults can rejoice deeply within our hearts under the Christmas tree, perhaps much more than the children are able. We know that God's goodness will once again draw near in full measure. We think of all God's goodness that came our way last year and sense something of this marvelous home. Jesus comes in judgment and grace. Quoting Psalm 24, Behold, I stand at the door. Open wide the gates. One day at the last judgment, he will separate the sheep and the goats and will say to those on his right, Come, you blessed. I was hungry and you fed me. Matthew 25. To the astonished question of when and where that happened, he answered, What you did to the least of these, you have done to me. With that, we are faced with the shocking reality. Jesus stands at the door and knocks in complete reality. He asks you for help in the form of a beggar, in the form of a ruined human being in torn clothing. He confronts you in every person that you meet. Christ walks on the earth as your neighbor as long as there are people. He walks on the earth as the one through whom God calls you, speaks to you, and makes his demands. That is the greatest seriousness and the greatest blessedness of the Advent message. Christ stands at the door. He lives in the form of the person in our midst. Will you keep the door locked or open it to him? Christ is still knocking. It is not yet Christmas, but it is also not the great final advent, the final coming of Christ. Through all the advents of our life that we celebrate goes the longing for the final advent, where it says in Revelation 21, Behold, I am making all things new. Advent is a time of waiting. Our whole life, however, is Advent. That is, a time of waiting for the ultimate, for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, when all, peoples are when all people are brothers and sisters, and one rejoices in the words of the angels, on earth, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Learn to wait because he has promised to come. I stand at the door. We, however, call to him. Yes, come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. So in the strange, paradoxical, but harmonious melding of God and man 
and the terror and the awe of God and the tender mercies of our God and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. We have come this day to recognize the image of God in all people. And we are called by Christ, love one another as I have loved you, and so prove to be my disciples. And we have come especially to the household of faith, not forgetting to do good to all believers, especially in times like the holidays when we are most stressed, and especially to the least of these, the poor and the child. Amen.